0: Hello, this is Nikhda from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today's Tuesday, the 11th of August. India recorded over 53,000 new COVID-19 infections, taking the country's COVID-19 tally to more than 22,68,000. With 871 fresh fatalities in the last 24 hours, the death toll increased to more than 45,000. Prime Minister Narendra Modi today got on a virtual call with chief ministers of 10 states which have 80% of India's COVID-19 cases to assess the situation. The states were Andhra Pradesh, Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, West Bengal, Maharashtra, Punjab, Bihar, Gujarat, Telangana and Uttar Pradesh. Prime Minister Modi in the meeting said that India was walking on the right path and that states could defeat the virus if they worked together. The Prime Minister said that the states of West Bengal, Bihar, Gujarat, Uttar Pradesh and Telangana have a high coronavirus test positivity rate and have not carried out enough tests. He said they need to increase testing. The chief ministers, meanwhile, requested Modi to remove the spending limit from the state disaster relief fund to meet the necessary expenses. Tamil Nadu Chief Minister Swamy asked the Prime Minister for an ad hoc grant of 1,000 crore rupees since the state had exhausted its relief fund. A statement from the Army Hospital in New Delhi, where former President Pranab Mukherjee was admitted after testing positive for COVID-19, said that he is currently in a critical condition. After his emergency surgery to remove a brain clot, the former president remains on ventilator support. A panel of experts is set to meet tomorrow to discuss the procurement and administration of COVID-19 vaccines. The meeting will be chaired by Dr VK Paul, a member of the Niti Aayog. In a statement, the Health Ministry said that the Expert Committee on Vaccine Administration will consider logistics and ethical aspects of procurement and administration of COVID-19 vaccines. The committee will engage with all the stakeholders, including state governments and vaccine manufacturers. The investigation by the Bengaluru police into the missing COVID patients has revealed that nearly 18% of the 4,327 COVID-positive people who were untraceable between July 25 and August 7 are still missing. The Karnataka government, meanwhile, has issued revised guidelines for home isolation of COVID-19 patients. According to the new rules, patients can be discharged after 10 days of symptom onset or the date of sampling, and if there is no fever for three days. It also stated that there is no need for testing after the isolation period is over. The northeastern state of Nagaland has breached the 3,000 mark with over 200 new infections. An official said that nearly half of the state's COVID-19 patients were security personnel. A three-judge bench of the Supreme Court, headed by Justice Arun Kumar Mishra, reiterated today that the Hindu Succession Act, which was amended in 2005 to give women equal inheritance rights, ensures a woman's claim of an equal share in family property as a daughter. The bench said, and I quote, Once a daughter, always a daughter. A son is a son till he is married. A daughter shall remain a coparcener throughout life, irrespective of whether her father is alive or not. Unquote. The bench was hearing a batch of appeals that raised the important legal issue of whether the Hindu Succession Amendment, which gave equal rights to daughters in ancestral property, has a retrospective effect. The top court set aside a number of previous decisions that a daughter would have the coparcenary right only if both the father and the daughter were alive as of September 9, 2005, when the amendment was notified. The court had given contradictory judgments in two cases related to the issue earlier. The special committee set up by the Supreme Court for the Restoration of 4G Internet Services in Jammu and Kashmir has recommended access to high-speed internet on a trial basis in a calibrated manner in specific limited areas to assess the impact on the security situation. To begin with, the committee has recommended the restoration of high-speed internet in one district each in Jammu and Kashmir after Independence Day. In its second affidavit filed before the Supreme Court yesterday, Dharmendra Kumar, the Deputy Secretary of the Ministry of Home Affairs, had said that the special committee suggested that the overall security situation is still not conducive to lifting the limited restrictions on high speed internet through mobile devices while allowing broadband and 2G services across the board. Last week, the Apex Court had asked the Jammu and Kashmir administration to clarify its stance by 11th of August on requests for restoring 4G mobile internet services in the region. A bench headed by Justice N.V. Ramana had told Solicitor General Tushar Mehta that there will be no more adjournment after that. Shah Faisal, the first resident of Jammu and Kashmir who topped the civil services exam in 2009, had announced yesterday that he was quitting politics. Today, while explaining his decision, he said that joining politics last year had done more harm than benefit as his innocuous act of dissent was seen as an act of treason. Fazel defended his decision to quit saying, and I quote, We evolve with time, and the abrogation of the special status of August 5th last year has brought forth a new political reality in Kashmir. Unquote. Faisal, who was released after being kept under preventive detention and later booked under the Draconian Public Safety Act or PSA, told PTI in Srinagar and I quote, While in detention, I thought a lot about it. And I realised that I am not the person who can promise to the people that I can undo these decisions. Unquote. faisal had resigned from the IAS before joining politics, but his resignation has still not been accepted with a pending disposal of a show cause notice given to him by the government in 2018 for his controversial tweets. His name still figures in the list of serving IAS officers on the official website of the Department of Personnel. The PSA or the Public Safety Act is a preventive detention law that allows the state to detain a person for up to two years without a trial. The officials issuing detention orders under the PSA in Jammu and Kashmir are mere rubber stamps. This is a common refrain amongst rights activists and lawyers fighting PSA cases. They argue that this law has been misused by the state ever since it received the governor's assent on April 8, 1978. To know more about the PSA, do read Ritika Jain's piece on News Laundry titled Lawless Law – How the Public Safety Act Has Become a Tool of Repression in Kashmir. The University Grants Commission or the UGC told the Supreme Court that any decision by individual states to award degrees to final-year students of undergraduate and postgraduate courses without conducting exams would be per se illegal and invalid. Appearing for the UGC, Solicitor General Tushar Mehta told a bench headed by Justice Ashok Bhushan that Maharashtra and Delhi, which had decided to cancel the final year exams and award degrees on the basis of their internal assessment, could not do so because they were bound by the UGC guidelines to complete the examinations either offline, online or a blend of both before September 30th. Mehta told the bench and I quote, Delhi and Maharashtra have taken the decision to cancel exams in state universities. This is against the UGC rules. UGC is the only body that can prescribe rules for conferring a degree. States cannot change rules. It is not in the interest of students to not have exams. Such degrees will not be recognised if there are no exams. The bench then asked the UGC to file an affidavit justifying its stand that Maharashtra and Delhi could not cancel the exams or award degrees under the Disaster Management Act of 2005. The bench has posted the matter for further hearing on August 14th. On April 29th, the University Grants Commission or the UGC issued guidelines for conducting online exams for final-year students of bachelor's and master's courses. Accordingly, the Universities of Delhi and Punjab, among others, scheduled the examinations. But as students and teachers opposed holding the exams amid a raging pandemic, Human Resource Development Minister Ramesh Pokrial asked the UGC to revisit the guidelines. The UGC responded by cancelling the exams, only to do an about-turn a week later and declare that the exams must be compulsorily held at the end of September. Remarkably, the rationale offered by the UGC for going ahead with the exams amid a pandemic is quite thin. But with recent incidents, it has become quite clear that even the country's top universities are not equipped to hold online exams. Take Delhi University's mock exams held on July 6th. The students faced multiple glitches when they sat for the test. Some had trouble registering, while others received wrong question papers. So, can the UGC assure students across the country that they will not face such problems when they sit for the actual exams? To find out more, do read our reporter Chahek Gupta's piece titled Why the UGC's Rationale for Conducting Exams in a Pandemic Doesn't Fly. Dear listeners, I'd like to remind you that News Laundry is a 100% ad-free news platform supported by its readers. We are of the firm belief that news cannot be truly free if it is dependent on advertisers or sponsors to survive. And now, with times as tough as these, we need your support more than ever. Read Jehek's piece and while you're at it, do check out all the other stuff we do on Newslaundry.com, from in-depth ground reports to podcasts and video interviews. And if you think we're doing a good job, please do show us your support by subscribing to Newslaundry. And now for some international updates. The coronavirus has infected more than 20 million people globally and has killed over 735,000. The big news today comes from Russia, with President Vladimir Putin announcing that his country has registered the first vaccine for COVID-19. The vaccine, developed by Gamaleya Institute, has received approval after less than two months of human testing. Putin said his daughter has already been inoculated. Concerns have been raised about the speed at which Russia is moving to roll out its vaccine, with many pointing out that it may be putting national prestige before sound science and safety. Putin, meanwhile, said he hoped that the country would soon start mass-producing the vaccine. Ireland is going to increase testing at meat plants and asylum centres after a series of outbreaks pushed the country's incidence of cases that surged past that of the UK for the first time. In recent weeks, the country's cases per 100,000 people shot up from around 5 to 16.9, overtaking the UK rate of 16.5. New Zealand, meanwhile, had to reintroduce coronavirus restrictions in parts of the country after new locally transmitted cases broke the 102-day record of the country going without recording a local infection. The country's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern confirmed four new locally transmitted COVID-19 cases on Tuesday night and announced that the country's most populous city, Auckland, will temporarily see Level 3 restrictions introduced for three days starting from midday today. The Dutch police have busted the largest cocaine lab in the Netherlands, constructed under the cover of a former horse-riding school. Initial reports put the production capacity of the lab at 150 to 200 kilos of cocaine per day that translates to a whopping 4.5 million to 6 million euros in uncut cocaine. 17 suspects were apprehended and the majority of them were Colombian citizens. The Netherlands are a major transit point for drugs into Europe through Rotterdam, the country's largest seaport. And this bust represents a major milestone in the country's efforts to crack down on trans-border drug smuggling, particularly cocaine. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent